Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. Before I get into this episode's subject, which are my takeaways from the Warriors-Lakers early preseason look with all their new pieces, and primarily off of their first preseason game, I want to touch on a couple things, or mention a couple things. Uh, one is something I saw on social media, and the other one is another podcast that I appeared on, sl- Two Writers Slinging Yang with Je- Jeff Perlman. If you are at all interested in, <laughs> sounds funny, my career and how I ended up where I am, uh, Jeff did a tremendous job of going back into the archives, finding some of my early work, Uh, asking me about some of the early things, the very early things I did before I was ever prominent or known on the national stage, and the building blocks to getting where I did. I think it's a fun listen. So, uh, Two Writers Slinging Yang by Jeff Perlman, Sports Illustrated, former Sports Illustrated senior writer, wrote several books, has written several books, including Showtime, which was on the Lakers dynasty during the Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar era. And the book was then turned into the HBO series Winning Time, which I'm still in the process of watching. Anyway, believe that the podcast was a unique, different, fun listen, uh, Go check it out. The other thing I wanted to talk about, though, primarily, uh, is something that I saw on social media that I haven't seen discussed anywhere else. And that is Michael B. Jordan, the actor, appropriating Hoop Dreams, the name of the famous 1994 documentary. Uh, Appropriating that logo with Mitchell & Ness, the apparel company, coming out with a varsity jacket that has hoop dreams on the back and HD along with the number 23 on the front. 
Now, I don't know Michael B.'s involvement other than he was mentioned in the post advertising the jacket. And it was brought to my attention by Arthur Agee, one of the original two hoop dreamers who was having none of this varsity jacket and the hoop dreams title on it. Uh, Arthur being one of the original two hoop dreamers. And so he clapped back at both Jordan and Mitchell and Ness. Now, I've got a soft spot for the hoop dreamers, both Arthur and William Gates. One, because of their 1994 documentary on how they navigated slash survived the Chicago high school basketball scene and ended up making it to college. And two, because I actually had a chance to play pickup hoops with them in Chicago one time, probably about 10 years or so after Hoop Dreams came out. Played at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. That's where they used to hold the NBA draft combine. And after everybody had packed up and gone, courts were open. We had a run. And it was it was fun. It was it was it was fun to be able to share a court with those guys, knowing that uh, uh, what they had been through uh, in the Hoop Dreams doc. So uh, there have been plenty of similar and fairly good docs on the basketball scene in Chicago and elsewhere. But Hoop Dreams, without question, is the OG. It's the originator of the concept uh, that has been used in a lot of places now with a lot of kids growing up in a challenging environment. Um, And this wasn't driven by uh, Arthur and William, to be clear. They were chosen by the cinematographer uh, to be the subjects of this. And I don't know that they really knew what they were getting into. Normally, these type of docs, you follow now you follow around a kid or a situation, handheld cameras for a year or so, and and then you craft a story. And in the case of Hoop Dreams, uh, Arthur and William were followed around for five years to gather the material for the doc, um, which is an incredible commitment of time for a first-of-its-kind project. And they were not funded. They ended up getting getting more money to complete it, but I think they were working off a budget of like $2,000 when they started. Crazy. In any case, they coined the term uh, Hoop Dreams. The movie did, created that idea. Now, for those who may not know, Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, the actor, started a one-day basketball tournament for historically black colleges and universities that was initially called the Hoop Dreams Classic. This was back in 2020. Uh, I'm guessing that he did so without approval from Arthur and William because by the next year, the name of the event was changed to Legacy Classic. Mitchell and Ness bringing out a hoop stream jacket and attaching it to Jordan is both weird and off-brand. I've always thought of Mitchell and Ness as reviving legendary logos and vintage sports apparel. And there's plenty that's vintage about Hoop Dreams, but not Michael B.'s brief connection to it. Now, A.G., as I've read, is selling Hoop Dreams merch, including a replica of his old high school uni, which actually sounds kind of cool. And maybe he and Mitchell and Ness couldn't work something out. But if I'm Mitchell and Ness and I want it to be legit, vintage, authentic, I got to have Arthur and William involved, not Michael B., And I would think, because of all the good feels that Hoop Dream still conjures up for those familiar with the doc, that partnering with Arthur and William would be far more marketable, that Mitchell and Ness would 
want to make that happen. So really curious about why this little mini controversy, one, came up, and two, why no one's talking about it, and three, why Mitchell and Ness and the Hoop Dreamers couldn't come up with a way to make something happen. If anybody's got any insight into what's going on with this story, please hit me up. All right, on to the main event, which was the preseason, or inspired by the preseason matchup between what feels like two teams hoping to prove that they have one more run in them. The LeBron-led Lakers and the Steph Curry-led Warriors. Now, keep in mind, for this particular game, as we break it down, LeBron and Austin Reeves did not play, and neither did Draymond Green for the Warriors. And how these teams approach a regular season contest will be completely different. So let's not put too much stock. In fact, let's not put any stock in the final score, which was 125-108 for the Warriors. The score was relatively even through the first half of the first quarter. The Warriors subs, led by Jonathan Kaminga, created the separation that the Lakers squeezed but never overcame never really threatened to win this game after that. The Warriors starters played roughly 12 or 13 minutes, half of the first quarter and half of the second. While the Lakers starters went a little longer, except for Anthony Davis, who played roughly the same amount as the Warriors starters, the Lakers starters were starters in name only for this particular game because two of the three, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, will not be in the starting lineup. They will be replaced by Austin Reeves and by LeBron James. And my money is on Vanderbilt and Gabe coming off the bench, at least at the start of the season. D'Lo's defensive issues are going to continue to be a problem. Anybody thinking that's going to change dramatically? At this point in his career, I just would not bank on it. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he and Gabe switched roles or Gabe ends up playing more minutes. And I would fully expect... That if you're going on fourth quarter minutes, Gabe will see more of those, particularly once we get to the postseason. And if there was a prop bet on any of that, I would make it. Here are the observations on thoughts or thoughts that are worth keeping in mind as we go into the season. First, for the Warriors, I've never seen Chris Paul off the ball in a game this much ever. And when he did touch it, He gave it up quickly. He is doing everything possible to say, I am going to fit in, not fit out. He finished with a team-high five assists in his 13 minutes, but it was Curry who brought the ball up and initiated the offense whenever they were on the floor together. It would appear that the Warriors are looking to put Chris in weak side action, sending Steph one way and then reversing the ball to the other side for some quick-hitting pick-and-roll with Chris if nothing materializes off of the initial action. But Chris actually wasn't looking to attack at all in this game off those pick-and-rolls. And to to be perfectly honest, he kind of looked stiff and every bit his 38 years of age, the way he was moving. All that said, in spite of that, his vision and ability to make simple but effective passes is going to serve him well as well as the Warriors. And there's a lot of similarities that I saw, or I see, between where Chris Paul is 
and where LeBron James is. Their IQ, their basketball experience and knowledge is compensating for clearly not being the same physical presences that they once were. Now, we still need to see what their offense, the Warriors' offense, is going to look like when Draymond is on the floor with them once he's back from his sprained ankle. But I think their ball movement and IQ is going to be incredibly effective. I can't remember the last time I said this. What I'm worried about is their three-point shooting. Because you got Chris Paul, who was a bit streaky and was not looking to shoot at all. Draymond Green can't can't really count on that. Uh, Andrew Wiggins again, kind of streaky, and then Clay Thompson, who is now in my book officially a chucker. It used to be that he'd only fire the ball every time he touched it, regardless of how closely it was guarded, if he had it rolling, if he was on one of those games. Otherwise he was a little more circumspect when it came to just letting it fly. Now, he hoists these ball barely in his hands and defender closing shots. He did it several times in this game. And he did not have it going. And he didn't make any of them. Now, it's hard to know if he's made any progress on the defensive end from a preseason game. But if he's the same at that end of the floor as last year, and he's not more consistent from range, there's going to be a problem. Now, he did put the ball on the floor and get to the foul line, but it's hard to tell if he's improved in that area as well. Speaking of fouls, I'm getting to the foul line, free throw line. I loved how the game was officiated. So refreshing. Please, please, please let this be the new approach. There were several drives, several collisions, several offensive players spilling to the floor after attempting a shot or glaring at the referee, and no whistles. Now, we didn't have two of the masters out there, Reeves and LeBron, when it comes to exaggerating contact. So we don't know if their star power is going to draw calls for them. But as an initial look, I loved what I saw. The damning part is it makes it crystal clear that how the game is played can totally be manipulated by the league and what it wants its officials to do. And no, I'm not signing up for any conspiracy theories. I'm just telling you that the way the game is played is heavily influenced by how the league, not the officials, the league, wants it officiated. And I don't believe they do it for particular outcomes, for for particular teams. What they do it is for overall entertainment value. They want the game to be exciting and entertaining no matter who's playing. And while that might be good for business, it's not necessarily good for the game. The player that I could see having the biggest impact on the Warriors outside of the most notable names is on a one-year deal that will pay him less than $3 million. And that's power forward slash center and former Phoenix Sun and Philadelphia 76er and Oklahoma City Thunder, 
Dario Sharich. It's going to take me a little while to get acclimated to saying Sharich rather than Sarich because we were all doing that for years. In any case, Sharich abused Christian Wood, new Laker, big, who we will get to in a moment. And Sharich gave the Warriors something that they did not have last year. A big willing to take and make three-pointers. <clears throat> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's a vital ingredient in the way they play. I don't know that he has the passing or ball handling skills that Manya Bialica had, and he's certainly not Andrew Bogut, but... He brings a physicality. He understands the game and he appears to be low maintenance. He made two of three threes against the Lakers and that wasn't an anomaly. He's never shot worse than 30% in a season and last year playing for two different teams, the Suns and Thunder, he shot nearly 40%, averaging only two threes a game. All of that is not easy. Changing teams, taking a limited number of threes every game and shooting a high percentage, that is tough. Now, I'm going with Sharich over Kaminga as the potential X factor, even though the latter had a sensational game against the Lakers, including an uncharacteristically strong night from beyond the arc. He made, eight, he made four of eight threes for a game-high 24 points to go with eight rebounds. I'm not getting on the Kaminga hype train for several reasons. One... He did what he was supposed to do at this point in his career. He still needs to prove himself. He was in against the Lakers' second and third units. The Warriors had a comfortable lead, and they ran a lot of stuff for him. He should dominate. The Lakers let him go 1v1 against Tarian Prince, and he dominated. He's supposed to do that. He also made half of his threes during fourth quarter garbage time. And overall, I've seen flashes of this Kaminga before. Playing with a big lead when everything is being run for you against second and third units, that's all well and good. But it doesn't meet the criteria for being a contributor to a championship caliber team. You know who else looked surprisingly good? Rookie Brad Pajemski. Pajemski. I hope I'm saying that right. He's from Santa Clara. He's a rookie. I don't know if he's ready to be on the floor with Steph, Clay, and Draymond with a game on the line. In fact, pretty confident he's not. And he looked good looked did not look like a rookie and it's not a knock on either of those guys let's be clear it's a knock on anyone who is going to look at what Kaminga did and start blaming Steve Kerr for not playing him or suggesting that the Warriors of use of him is his downfall now the Warriors are playing for championships Kaminga is not it's, this is this is what Jordan Poole ran into dude on this with this group on this team you're a complimentary player. Your role is different. For the collective. I get it. It's a sacrifice for you. But 
for you to fit in with this team to get it where it's going, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to play. In the case of Jordan Poole, he needed to put some effort into into defending. And what I'm told is he told them in no uncertain terms, I'm not defending. That's not what I do. I'm, I've shown you what I can do offensively. Let me go. And that's why he's in Washington. Now, Kaminga, can he be efficient taking four shots, not 14 as he did against the Lakers? Can he still hit the boards the way he did with the same energy? And while he did have 24 and eight and four assists, he also had a team high five turnovers. A player off the bench doesn't have to be spectacular. He has to be consistent and efficient. That's what the role calls for. Now, I hope Kaminga has turned a corner. And if he has, he could be of great value to the Warriors, of greater value than than Sharich. But one exhibition game is not going to convince me. What I'm basing my view of Sharich on is what he's done for the better part of his career. What I'm not buying into with Kaminga is the difference between what I've seen glimpses of and what I've seen more often. So, one exhibition game is not going to convince me that he's turned a corner. Not after two seasons of seeing something else. For the Lakers, Anthony Davis looks in mid-season form. Now, he is not and never is going to be someone the Lakers can play through. This LeBron James saying he's now the face of the franchise. First of all, LeBron, that's not for you to decide who the face of the franchise is, nor is it realistic that the team is going to play through him, through AD. LeBron is still the primary playmaker, still the most capable playmaker on the team, whether they want it to be that way or not. Uh, In the 13 minutes that AD played against the Warriors, he had zero assists. Now that is rather amazing because Jackson Hayes, another newcomer who's not a particularly gifted passer or playmaker played 15 minutes he had three assists that how in an exhibition game preseason game that's how easy it is to pick up dimes but ad did look spry and happy and all of that is a good sign so we'll take what we can get none of the other new additions for the lakers showed me anything that makes me think that they're going to provide something that they're going to elevate the lakers the way i think lakers fans got all excited when the names were signed during the offseason or that the expectation is that this new group is going to do the same thing that the guys coming in at the trade deadline did elevate them yet another step i'm not i'm just i didn't i didn't see anything that would lead me to believe that even though i thought some of them might cam reddish who i'm a fan of had a disastrous showing I've got one foot off the reddish bandwagon right now. I'm riding it as if it was a trolley car and my stop is coming up. I just don't know if he's salvageable at this point. Uh, Gabe Vincent, picked up, signed as a free agent from Miami, has not shot the ball well so far against the Lakers or the Nets. And while I expect that to change, I'll be interested to see if he can capture what we saw from him in the postseason for the Heat last year. I have to believe that Lakers fans were thinking that's that's who they're getting as Gabe. As that's the Gabe that they're getting. 
The Heat, however, are an equal opportunity offense, which means if you work to get open, you will see the ball. The Lakers are at least partly a LeBron opportunity offense, which means if LeBron deems you are open, you will see the ball. It's just different. LeBron is is generally an unselfish player, but it's not it's just not the same. It means that Gabe, rather than just reading the system, the heat system, has to learn to read LeBron. And that's an adjustment. The difference that Reeves and LeBron make was illustrated, by the way, in the Lakers' next game against the Brooklyn Nets, the uh, a 129-126 win. Again, let's not make too much of that. I, I almost feel a little silly, including the scores, because they really don't mean a whole lot. The second and third units are deciding these games, what with most of the key players not playing beyond the first two quarters. And nor is it a surprise that Reeves for the Lakers or Cam Thomas for the Nets were probably the most impressive, efficient players in the game, having had to compete this summer in the more rough-and-tumble FIBA World Cup in Asia. NBA games got to feel like uh, a, a walk in the park compared to what they had to face in the World Cup, especially in the preseason. And they're, they're already conditioned. They're already, they probably, they're already in sort of, well, they're not that far from, from what their groove was playing in the World Cup. Um, but all of that said, I had an assistant GM make this comparison, and I think he may be on to something. He said the Lakers are now like the Detroit Pistons in the late 2000s. And this might apply to the Warriors too. But after winning the 2004 title by upsetting the Lakers, actually, the Pistons continued to be an Eastern Conference powerhouse made the playoffs five subsequent years. They went to the finals the very next year, again. This time they lost to the Spurs in seven games. And then they went to the Eastern Conference Finals three years in a row after that. But there was never a sense, not after losing to the Spurs, there was never a sense in those years, even going to the Conference Finals every year, and I think facing a different team every year in the Eastern Conference Finals. There was never a sense that they were going to come out on top or that they were the team to beat or even if they were to get to the finals, that they weren't going to win another ring, that they were just really good, too good to ignore, too experienced, too tough to go away quietly, but they didn't have any kind of aura of invincibility. Teams respected them, but they in no way feared them. That's what the Lakers feel like now. Loads of respect for LeBron and AD and Austin, and uh, that's probably about it. But what should concern Lakers fans most is that LeBron is still their best and biggest orchestrator or playmaker. 39-year-old LeBron. AD played another 13 minutes, by the way, against the Nets and had one assist. That's one dime in a total of 26 minutes. Please do not tell me by accident you're picking up assists if you have the ball as much as AD has, if you're any kind of a playmaker. D'Angelo Russell has been doing some great playmaking. The rub there is he's probably not going to be on the floor in the final minutes of a close game, and 
There are games where he's on and there's games where he's not. The ball is going to go through LeBron. And Vincent will be out there to space the floor and will come down to LeBron scoring or creating without drawing a hard double team. It will be pretty much what we saw against the Nuggets, which will be good enough against most of the league, just not against the current best of the best. And as for the Warriors, they don't have any business winning another ring either. But I'll admit it, I'm a little shook because I didn't think they had any business winning a ring two years ago. I want to put them in the same category as the, as the Pistons and the Lakers. Now, they should be better offensively this year and maybe marginally on defense. But that's not making up the ground between them and the Nuggets, for one. The key for the Warriors, as I see it, if any of this is going to change, is that Andrew Wiggins has to get to another level. Not back to the level he was two years ago when he was formidable, but another step beyond that. Two years ago, he got paid and was MIA with his dad dealing with a heart issue for the better part of last season. And then he wasn't the near, nearly the same player when he was available last season. The question is, were the distractions what compromised him? Or has he fallen into the category of a lot of players who they win a ring and they simply can't summon the same drive and determination? They got the ring. They get paid. It's, I'll work hard, but I'm not going to play with the same desperation the same desire to improve myself as he did that year, two years ago. I guess we will find out. All right, before I go, I want to mention my sponsor, Mizzen and Main, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D, M-A-I-N, fashionable menswear made out of comfortable performance material. Uh, If you're a traveler like me and you want to look presentable but be comfortable at the same time, may I recommend the Mizzen and Main joggers and t-shirts with one of their jackets or three-quarter pullovers. What I like about the t-shirts is that they don't look like t-shirts. They almost look like a light short-sleeve sweater and they are super comfortable. The joggers are also our joggers in name only. The material is stretchy, and I suppose you could jog in them, but they actually look like a super comfortable form of dress pants. I suggest this. Pick out a pair of joggers and a t-shirt. Use the promo code BUKER, my last name, 35, for $35 off your first order. And then wear that outfit on your next plane, train, or automobile trip and let me know if you agree with me. I believe that you will. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Recast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the lines have been set for teams, wins uh, this season, this upcoming season. So it might be time to run through those and share with you a few of the best bets, the ones that make some sense, maybe the surprises, maybe the good long shots that uh, are worth putting a wager on. That will be the focus of the next episode, unless something more pertinent 
happens to come along. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.